Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Bless, O Lord, the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts. O Lord, our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. Did you know that, na- that worldwide, worldwide, there are 60 million people on the run? 60 million individual stories. Power of Art House is an organization that uses uh, these art programs and art projects in order to illustrate and give life to these individual stories. Len is one of them. He fled Rwanda in 1994 because of the mass murders taking place in the country. In just 100 days, 800,000 Tutsi and moderate Hutus were murdered. His son Remy was two at the time, and his daughter Elizabeth was six. His wife Victoria happened to be visiting a Rwandan friend in Holland, and because he had to work, the kids were staying with his in-laws. Lynn's story includes his flight from Rwanda, the dangers in trying and failing to, receive, to uh, retrieve his children and only getting them with the help of a brother, the need for international help through doctors without borders. Even though we don't know Lynn, it's through the telling of his story and the art that you can see him as a sheep without a shepherd. The crowds coming to Jesus would have been made up of peasants living in poverty and oppression, and there was no one to notice them. It broke Jesus' heart. He likened them to sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw people He could see into them, and he claimed that these nobodies were somebodies and that they were all a part of God's harvest. Because they had a face and they had a place in God's heart, Jesus commissions the disciples to go after them, giving the disciples all that they need, the same powers he has to do it. He does offer some boundaries or restrictions. There's no going to the Gentiles. That'll come at the end of Gospels of Matthew. They've got to start with the lost sheep of Israel. And there's only one message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, in Matthew, the kingdom of heaven describes a process or a course of events whereby God becomes Lord of our lives and God's reign among us creates a new reality. It's the I am yours and you are mine understanding, period, This is the mission message 
in a nutshell. They've got to move light. Take nothing with you, no traveler's checks, no wearing of clothes that would confuse folks and make them think that you belong to the cynics or the Essenes. You're to lodge where there are believers or converts and then shake the dust off your feet if you're not shown hospitality. It's a rude response for a rude reception. When the kingdom of heaven is near, there's just no messing around. There's even a warning label. These people of mine are sheep among wolves. It's not unlikely that you'll be arrested, flogged, and dragged before the authorities. But Jesus goes on to say, don't worry about that. If you get in trouble, God is going to speak through you. Now, this isn't the assurance that everything's going to work out just fine. Rather, it is Jesus' way of saying opposition is not a sign of failure. And paradoxically, if you get arrested, you'll get to speak to those in power. Use it as an opportunity to testify. God can and will work in and through all of it. Oh, if we really believed that. If we only believe that God is with us and will work with and through the struggles we're experiencing now. It goes to take, it's going to take a deep sense of the kingdom of heaven drawing near to us. But the world, my friends, is stirring I'm, her, I'm sure that you've heard that there's a petition from student athletes to have the name of Marge Schott Stadium changed in Cincinnati. To say that she was controversial is an understatement. Her racial and ethnic slurs against African Americans, Jewish and Japanese persons prompted a one-year ban from baseball in 93. Then in a 96 ESPN interview, Schott praised Adolf Hitler, forcing then her resignation, giving up the day-to-day -day control of the Reds. Schott was also known as a philanthropist in Cincinnati. She supported the zoo, the hospital, and the university in a big way. In fact, it was the Bearcats who named their baseball stadium after her, following a foundation gift of $2 million to the student-athlete program. A current student-athlete, a pitcher by the name of Nathan Moore, has since become an outspoken supporter of the petition drive to change the stadium name, saying that it should be a really simple decision for the university. The University of Cincinnati released a statement from the athletic director that said this, we appreciate the willingness of our current and former athletes to have tough conversations and express their feelings about the name of our baseball stadium. The Department of Athletics is providing the university administration any information or context 
they may need to better understand this issue from the perspective of our student-athletes. We are one team, and I want to thank our student-athletes for their candor and let each and every one of them know I'm always available to meet them via phone or text if they want or need to talk. Beyond the statement, it says, the university says no one will comment further which means they are finding themselves in a rock and a hard spot. Is this going to be engaging lawyers? And what does it say to donors? It is a mess, I'm sure. But hear Moore's heart. He says, honestly, I mean no disrespect to Marge Schott. And I'm sure she had good intentions, but just from my beliefs personally, money that comes from somebody who has that hatred in her heart for fellow human beings is not money worth accepting, in my opinion. Moore gives an uncomplicated perspective. It's one of compassion. It's one of healing. It's one of saying simply the kingdom of heaven has drawn near. So how is it that we can get there ourselves? First, make no mistake, compassion in this text is the driver for Jesus. Verse 36, when he saw them, says he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. The Greek word for compassion refers to deep emotional feelings located in the bowels of humanity. Jesus is moved with compassion to seek and care for the sick, the blind, the crippled by demons, the mother of Nan, whose son had died. When Jesus saw the hungry crowd of 4,000 and then 5,000 needing to be fed, he is moved by what he sees. And he sees so much that he is moved in this concrete expectation to realize that his ability to care for the sheep alone isn't going to get them there. Jesus then decides that this must be the first group of united harvest workers. He would give the disciples the authority to cast out demons, unclean spirits, and fix all manner of infirmity. He would equip them with the loving presence of God so that they would see the sheep and heal. Why? Because these people and generations following would need to know the shepherd. Jesus' compassion for these poor sheep would be about changing the story of our faith trajectory for the rest of the generations to come. 
Because if compassion were the driver, then invasion was his strategy. Augustine, in his reflection on this text, said, When the Holy Gospel was written, brethren, you heard how our Lord Jesus Christ strengthened his martyrs by his teachings, saying, Behold, I send you forth as lambs in the midst of wolves. Now consider, my brethren, what he does. If but one wolf come among many sheep, be they ever so many thousands, they will all be put to confusion by one wolf in the midst of them. And though all may not be torn, yet all are frightened. What manner of design is this? What manner of counsel? What manner of power? Send the sheep against the wolves. Jesus said, I send you as sheep in the midst of the wolves, not into the neighborhood of wolves, but into the midst of them. There was then at that time a herd of wolves and few sheep. So Augustine says, let the wolves be changed into lambs. Changing shepherds means looking at things differently. Shepherds are desperately needed today in the tough places where wolves swarm and struggle. The Espinosa family lives in Bria, California. They started uh, making uh, plans to move into a new neighborhood, and when they did, uh, they saw a group of kids on the uh, corner with baseball bats, and they were not there for a pickup game. After a drive-by shooting, they decided to organize a uh, block watch, and after the night of the initial meeting, they got up next morning to see painted on the side of their truck, don't finger us, keep your mouth shut. Rosie knew then that there had to be a different approach. So in September of 1991, she transformed her two-car garage into a free after-school program, K through 12, tutoring students. It came complete with computers, books, and banners for kids making honor roll. It started with 16 kids on the first day and lemonade. It grew each day. First, she started tutoring herself, and then she brought in kids from a high school who were honor students, and she literally transformed the neighborhood. Within two years, academic scores went up and the crime rate went down. So great was its success that there are four sites now serving 200 children a day at any given time. If compassion, my friends, is the driver and invasion is the strategy, the only question left is, is who's going to go? Now, any person still warm and breathing would check to see if they were the right person for the mission. Meaningful, life-giving, yes, but me, me go, maybe not. I would just have us notice this. 
The question is never, who would like to sign up for the job? The disciples didn't take a job. They were given the job. Their qualifications, according to Jesus, were irrelevant. They're given this job, and there was no need for perfection. Just take a look at them. Peter, the first disciple, is the one who will betray him three times. The last one, Judas, will betray him to death. The two apostles in between, Simon and Matthew, both hold opposite positions in the Roman government. One's a tax collector and one's a zealot. Paul persecuted Christians long before the Spirit hit his reset button and put him back on the track of disciple-making. This is not a list of who's who of successful people. It is irrelevant. Jesus is simply asking if there are those with compassion in their hearts who will mount an invasion and take about a strategy to create a community that has experienced the kingdom of heaven drawing near. In the early 80s, Park Avenue United Methodist Church was welcomed Pastor Reverend C. Philip Hennerman, they called him Doc. He's in the neighborhood in which George Floyd lived. Doc led one of the first racially integrated churches in the nation, and he was proud to say that he had taken it for 1,400 members down to 700 as the white uh, exodus out of the city into the suburbs took place. It was then that blacks and Latinos began to move into the neighborhood. And Doc created a combination of evangelistic passion, the saving of hearts and souls, and great concern for the world at his doorstep. His was a mixed message for reform of one's heart and reform of one's neighborhood. When the church finally hit rock bottom, it was in the mid-80s and Doc had hit his groove. He would preach these biblically rich messages, Christ-centered and culturally engaging. And when it was time for communion, people would sprawl out the rows into the congregation, down to the front and the rails. And it was black and brown and white, young and old, men and women, middle class and poor. Sinners, addicts, adulterers, racists, haters, lusters, the rage-filled, the self-righteous, the apathetic, even the God-despisers. I assure you that Doc wanted to quit every year. And yet he stayed one more every time. No pastor, no person in ministry ever feels adequate or qualified for this compassionate, go out into the wolves, 
tell God's folk that kingdom of heaven is near kind of ministry. But we've got to bring with us the knowledge that Christ has equipped us. We are preaching neither social change or gospel and evangelism. We're doing both. It's not about just the individual or about systemic sin. It's not about conversion for the, the, those to be repent of or social change. It's not just reconciliation to God or reconciliation across racial and ethnic lines. Jesus offers us today a both-and gospel, a gospel in which compassion would compel us out into the wolves. We, whoever we are, willing to be equipped, knowing that obstacles are not failures and that somehow God will speak in and through us for the kingdom of heaven to draw near. Never doubt, my friends, this kind of compassion always turns oppression into opportunity. Harvest is the stated outcome because God believes that everyone is a lamb. Even in our doubt, my friends, we've got to go for it. Let's pray. Lord, we struggle for wisdom and vision in these days, for courage and conviction, for compassion and humility. Mix all those things within our hearts and have us know how close we are to you, how needful we are to your mission, and how we're prepared just as we are to be a part of it. Hear the longing of our hearts today to make a go of it. We ask it in the name of Christ. Amen.